0: Unbeaten's no more. Monaco come back big. And you're hearing my voice again. It's all ahead of us on EuroLeague Sweet 16. Tune in. Great right pass from the, the The team is the the There go. 40 minutes to a title.
1: David Blue for three. On the mark,
0: David Blue. Now Spanoulas <laughs> drives, <a tie laughs> <from> the- <inaudible> drives inside. Looks a- for the alley oh. oh! Corey Higgins just exploding. EuroLeague Sweet 16 exactly what you need as ever we are up on soundcloud and we are of course uh, on wherever you get good podcasts so be sure to search for your league sweet 16 to subscribe and get the episodes as soon as they drop and hello and it's it's been a while since you heard me i'm emmert ryan from ball in europe and uh, i am joined by my two wonderful co-hosts in uh, israel and scotland i believe uh, moshe barda and uh, lewis cameron uh gentlemen uh welcome to this show that i'm not on that often these days
2: Come on we know it's it's only temporary we're gonna have you back like you know very soon uh, i need you to just say one thing because we really we, we don't know if it's like figments of, of, of our imagination or is it actually you so can you say something
0: yeah well uh i suppose the easiest thing to say is uh i have been hiding for the previous seasons at the front yeah. half of the season the free christmas has always been a nightmare for me work-wise last year wasn't too bad because of the pandemic but it, between my day job and the amount of stuff that I know was traveling my day job it became too much so pre-new year basically for me is hell and that's why you don't hear too much of me pre-new year at the moment. Uh, Lewis how are you doing man?
1: You know I can't complain I'm about to enter the hell that you have just described for the next month of my life I am locked in a cave somewhere probably like I don't know Jane Larkin's jump shop.
0: Y- yeah no it's it, it's it, well it's, a of, it's it's fun and it's not fun sometimes because sometimes you can get like caught up in the buzz of it and sometimes you're kind of going oh, I'm in another airport or, oh, I don't want to wake up and it's 4 p.m. So it's kind of fun. But thankfully, we had an awful lot of EuroLeague action to get through this week. And that leads us nicely to the most inaccurately named segment in all of sports and entertainment today the four minute warning four minutes to get through all the action that just happened in EuroLeague it's the four minute warning yeah we we called it four minute warning many years ago because the plan was to keep this show extremely tight and that failed pretty much within the first episode I think but uh, that was Moshe's idea from an only foods and horses sketch well episode really but I think if we're going to go through anything here this week we've got to go through two things in particular one is I got Moshe in terms of one particular game even though I did worst of our picks last week and uh the other is, of course, that ridiculous Monaco comeback against Sheska in one of the last games of the week. And I think we will start with the latter because I'm going to go to Lewis first in this. And I know we were talking with the, about this emotion before the, the, the show went on live recording. The part of this surprised me most is not so much the plus 39 turnaround for Monaco from like 22 down to winning by 17. It's how little of a role Mike James played in it. And that might be the scarier thing for most teams is that it wasn't just a Mike James vengeance mode. Oh, this is a one off. Monaco had an awful lot of guys contributing. Mike James being one of the least contributors, really, to this extraordinary turnaround,
1: Lewis. Yeah, we expected this was the game you'd be penciled in as okay, Mike James is going to go off for 40 against Seska, and he didn't do that. And probably more impressively for me, this was a Monaco without Leo Westerman, who's kind of allowed Mike James to play off the ball and just shoot the shit out of it. But no, he's, he's not done that. Dante Hall. Baller had a phenomenal night. Brotherton rolled by the clock. This was this was twenty seventeen. twelve points. They were superb, but Ceska were bad.
0: And like because I actually didn't get to see the game because I was working comically late on Friday in my day job. But uh, was it a case of they were good while they were twenty two up, or was it a case of they were? Just so, so in Monaco were terrible. Then Monaco decided to start playing basketball. Like, what? How did Cheska fall apart quite this badly, Lewis?
2: Wait. First of all, I think I've I've said it. Obviously, not not on on the air, which uh, uh, Emmett will hold it against me, and I totally understand why. Uh, no,
0: no, he's, he's, he, he was honest about it. You can say it again here.
2: Uh, well, when Ceska are missing so many guys, so many guys, like you know, two of them are, but are specifically they got like a huge role. And um, obviously, I'm talking about Schengelia and, of course, uh, Nikola Milutinov. So, like, if I'm a EuroLeague team, any EuroLeague team, or you know what? For that matter, any team. I'm going inside Lionel Richie style. And that's all night long.
0: Right. Uh, That's some energy, is all I'll say, on that one. But if we're going to go that route, like, I think, you know, you still have to talk about sort of, the stage of a class because, yeah, obviously, Monaco they're playing at home and they have that sort of you know new team energy going on. But like, Moshe, still you're talking about a minus 39 situation for Sheska here in the turnaround. Like, even when you're missing bodies, that's just ridiculous.
2: It's well, you're missing the big bodies, which means there's like almost literally no balance in terms of the game game plan. I mean, it all has to be as a unit now. I, I know Louis is eager, eager to say
1: something, but. I, say, I don't think I don't think the big bodies would have made a difference. So see, like the guys you're describing yeah. your Shingelias, your Molotinovs, they are they are not the athletes that Dante Hall is. And Dante Hall just dominated and okay, they might make it difficult for him, but are they are they guarding Dante Hall at the moment? I well, don't they, think so. They are missing Reganis. and we all knew. We always
2: said, I think I mean if, even since last year when they brought Ethel Lundberg. Now they have a, a straight-out killer with Lundberg. They still have one of the best defensive guards in the competition, which is uh, uh, Daniel Hackett. But still, I'm missing out on that specific guard. And we've, we've heard it, like, since the beginning of the season, the chess are still on the market for a guard. So they brought Alexi Shved. But that's still not the elec- – maybe they need Alexi Shved to go full Alexi Shved, to go full Shved like he did in Pinky. I know that's asking too much. And I know we've all complained about it.
0: But I, I, if you're going to go with the full shred, I think the Sved version you need is the national team Sved, which is when you break the glass when things are going crazy. Because what national team shred does is he's still taking a lot of shots. So the volume is a little bit out of control, but he is pure, you know, foul drawing. But also it's a much more slow in the game down type of ball from Alexi Sved. Like, because even though there's a lot of visos, he's killing clock. Like, sometimes, like, watching Shred for the Russian national team, it's very different to Kimki, where he feels he needs to get those shots up fast and likewise with sheska he can be more like national teams fed where uh, we can eat a lot of clock and just make these guys feel like they're going to take forever to claw us back if we are in a big lead situation like that's what i'd have been looking at with someone like fed is like where time wasting which i know isn't really a thing in basketball but it's sort of time killing really where you're just making any comeback feel like more work and that's something he's beautiful at doing like you know it's Horrific to watch as a neutral, by the way. Like, you know, but it's very effective if your goal is just to get a W. Uh, but you know, Sheskar are four and three now, which is the same record as Monica, but of course, Shashkar are currently outside the playoffs. Now we're only seven games in. So, like, let's not like be anointing anybody anything yet. But it's still kind of weird to see because normally early season Shashki, you figure, ah, yeah, they'll be like, you know, five, two, six, one, maybe seven-nil if they've avoided playing a team who's going to be in the final four at, at home. Say away, sorry. But uh four-three, it's like Bit rugby from Sheska at the moment, isn't it, really, Lewis?
1: Yeah, it's like, it's, we've said that there's teams, your Sheskas, your Real Madrid's, you expect them kind of to be going through the motions in October, early November, maybe flip the new year. Okay, then we'll see a team that's looking to gear up to a final four. Right now, I don't think the Sheska team makes the final four.
0: Yeah, like, and this is the part that stumps up most to me Sheska are currently in negative point scoring differential, which is just yeah. unreal. Because, like, even when chess are going through the motions early, most of those wins they get, they're fairly comfortable. Like, there's no chance that any defeat they're going to have is going to bring them into a negative points differential. Yet here they are, you know, seven games in, not enough to make a judgment on them, but enough to have an idea of what sort of a team we're looking at. And they they, they are somewhat porous, like defensively, in fact. They have the uh, worst uh, points against record in all of Euroleague, which is saying something considering, you know, the performances of some of the teams at the bottom end of the table. Uh, but uh, yeah, like they are, they're just very easy to score on, Moshe.
2: They are, but again, it's like, it, it's something we've been talking about for, for quite some time. It's something that you and I talked about in the bleachers and in, in Victoria's Gastei's when we talked about shooting teams I and mean, Luis and I actually brought it up in the previous episode. Whenever it's like, Cheska, they are... Maybe it's like it's this, their style that they're trying to play and not necessarily having the same guys or the same firepower. Because, look, you have a guy like Daniel Hackett. Truth to be told, if you would offer him to each and every, anyone, every one of us, we would have taken him to our teams. He's a great guy to have on your team. But they need a guy who's a ruthless scorer or at least a great shooter. Because maybe that spacing may help because last night when, you know, and, and at some moments it looks like they were lost for ideas, lost for everything. When we're talking like the backboard, you know, they just crossed the the, uh, the half court and okay, what's next? And you saw like, you saw Monaco guns blazing, like, you know, coming at them and you're like, okay, what are they going to do? Strangely enough, they didn't do nothing. That's the thing. It's like they... That's not Cheska. That's not Cheska. That's the thing. That's not the Cheska that we've seen in recent years.
1: And it's, When was the last time you seen Cheska score 28 points in the second half of a game of basketball? 12 points in the third quarter,
2: no, I, I, 16
1: I points in the fourth. I don't know if that is, like, as strange as, like, you know, the, or, or like Emmett said, or how easy it is to, to score against them. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, that, that's the other question. When was the last thing, time you've seen them? 58 points dropped on them in 20 minutes. Well, I
2: think it was in the previous decade, like in the summer run, like the worst season that they had, I think, in the EuroLeague.
0: Oh, it might have been even that, like that, that infamous one. It was the last time Powell won a title, like Shesko went out in the regular season. And I remember seeing some of those Shesko games and like, wow, they, they were just did not look like, you know, sort of what we expect from Shesko Moscow. Before we get into our next topic, purely because I'm just noticing it from looking at the table, without looking at the table, both of you, Try and guess which of the 18 teams in EuroLeague has the best defensive record in terms of points scored against them. So, like, you know, fewest cumulative points scored against them this season without looking at the table. Mocha will let you go first. Who do you think it might be?
2: Well, there were times that I thought it was Vesda, but in the last couple of uh last couple of games, they kind of they, they took a hit. I'll tell you who it's not. It's definitely not Joggeries.
0: Okay, but who is it?
2: Oof. I, I'd say either uh, I think it's Fenner in the last couple of games, maybe. Maybe Fener or Olympiacos, even though Fenner are in a bad shape in terms of the... Okay,
0: pick one, pick one. I'll go Maccabi. <laughs> Just to be on the safe side. Going Maccabi? Okay, that's a curious choice. Lewis, who are you going to go with?
1: Only because I can't remember them
0: having any horrific results. Milano? You are both wrong. Lewis, less wrong than Moshe. Milano, have only conceded 4-9-8. Uh, Maccabi, five fourteen. Moshe, like despite their 5-2 record, they've actually been reasonably you know competitive games for the most part. Uh, oddly, one of their least competitive was the one they won that we're going to get to shortly. Uh, which, uh, considering who they beat, but the best defensive record is Fenner Bache, despite a two-five record. So Moshe, you should have stuck with your brain rather than your heart, man. You know, it, it wasn't uh, my heart.
2: Yeah. It wasn't my heart. It was simply because, like, I, I forgot about the uh, the Milan and Julerban game. That's like what. And as soon as I said Macaba, I was like, okay, yeah, I just lost. But yeah. Fenner, I remember the seventy-sixty-nine with uh, with Madrid. The sixty-eight was it sixty-six with. Yeah, Lux they've had some low-scoring games. And 67, had some really 65, low and also Zvezda. So yeah, I mean, I remember that. But it's like I was wait, it can't be true because they got – Yeah.
0: Tommy. Yeah, uh, and you were quite close with Zvezda. Zvezda, the third lowest, by the way. So Fener have conceded four eighty six points. Second lowest is Olympiacos, which is his second guess at four eighty nine. <laughs> so he really should have stuck with his brain. And Zvezda were four ninety, but instead he went for Maccabi, who were around the middle of the pack, by the way, when it comes to points conceded. Uh, so he was way That, that was uh, my
2: way of. That was my way of like you know trying to introduce the next segment, but you know you. you
0: can hey, still... it's, it's, but, but like in fairness. Like, you know, whatever about defense, offense was definitely going great for Maccabi. Defense is pretty good too, because of the way they dominated that first half. But Barcelona, who in fairness, did feel like the most paper 6-0 team we've ever seen in, in, in any in any basketball competition, because some of those wins are a bit okay. Uh, but they are finally have conceded a defeat. They lost in, in in Tel Aviv. We'll obviously ask Moshe about it in a moment, but it actually means that Barcelona are no longer top of the table. But on all things, Points scored because they're level on points differential and on win loss record with Milano, but Milano are five four nine, Barcelona are five four six, and their points against even up, so they're both plus plus fifty one. But Milano with more points scored, so nominally second Barcelona after that defeat. But uh, Moshe uh, that game. Uh, you know, I we were talking during the beforehand where I got to I got to pick Barcelona, but Moshe had been on the air a couple of days earlier and picked I got to pick Maccabi, but Moshe been on the air a couple of days earlier and I had to stick with his Barcelona pick. Uh, I put the foot down on that, and so Moshe, clearly, you did not believe in the nearest team to you. You just didn't have the faith in them, man.
2: You know, you just contradicted yourself because if if we came to you, you know, to uh, to give your ruling on a matter, and you said that no, so it means that I actually. We, we kind of felt something was coming what we didn't know is like it's going to happen it's going to go down the way you did you know yeah that that's very too. true it's so you know at least give me that
0: um yeah no for sure like and like just before we get into because like the entire reason I was picking Maccabi was Barcelona no matter what sort of side they have no matter what sort of side Maccabi have somehow find a way to lose in Tel Aviv that just feels to be the way it is like you know like the numbers do back it up but it's Felt longer than even the numbers back it up, that Barcelona, you know, in Tel Aviv, it's just not where they go for a W motion. So that was entire gut with me in that pick, to be honest.
2: Yeah, it, it, look, when you said it, when we recorded the show, I thought to myself, you know what, it could be, but Barcelona are like 6-0. and And the way that they've won games, yes, they flirted with uh, with losses and a few good, you know, games of, of those uh, uh, six coming into that night. Like, you know, the Monaco game, the Olympiacos game, fair game, they were not the team that was supposed supposed to, you know, when you look at how the game progressed, you are not necessarily the team that was supposed to win that night. Uh, but you do play for 40 minutes, and I did give them that because they are a team that played for the entire 40 minutes um, and, or 45 in a in, in game against uh, uh, Olympiacos. But this one, it's like, okay, so that happened, and... I, I, I started getting that vibe that, you know, what something probably, yeah, McCabe are probably going to get that win. But you know what? First of all, we just, we, we got to give, I think the biggest compliment to the coaching staff of McCabe because that team was ready from the first minute, like the, the adjustments, the, the, the changes they made in their starting five, the way they executed on both ends of the four. Barcelona could not breathe like, you know, on offense. When you, when you just look at the pure stats of it, Nikolathis, right? Perhaps one of the let's okay, let's let's say the way it is. He's the last, perhaps pure point guard right now in the competition in the EuroLeague. Well, yeah, what?
0: yeah. Well, last pure is always a tough one, but okay. yeah. yeah. No.
2: So let's say the the, the best or uh, the most lucrative facilitator in the EuroLeague in terms of how many assists. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm fine with that.
2: Okay, so you take him, and you know because of his shot that everyone everyone knows exactly you know his strengths, his weaknesses. You know this, you want to you wanna stop a team that has such a dominant guy in the point guard position, there are a few ways. Either you let him focus on a scoring, like Olimpiakos did with Chaska back in uh, the final four in, was it Madrid, or uh, was it the, the one in uh, uh, Istanbul? You remember, Emmett, what I'm talking about with Milos, what they did to him.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Very vaguely, but yes.
2: Yeah, like Miloš had crazy offensive night, but only one assist, I think, for, throughout the entire 40 minutes, which was crazy when you think about it for a guy like Miloš. So that's number one. But Nick is not your best scorer, in a way. He can do some stuff, but, you know, he's not, like, that's not his forte. So he had, like, what? Six assists, but five turnovers. Five turnovers. Yeah. On, that's crazy when you think about it. And the entire yeah. Maccabi team, eight, uh, uh, I think they had eight or nine turnovers but you know eight or nine steals so it's for every turn every time they turn the ball over they made up for it it's
0: crazy yeah although the thing is you know when you've got nicolas as guard there's gonna be a few games a season where he's gonna cough up a lot of tos like that's just it's the nature of his game like he's a he's a pure point guard but like ball security has never been his strongest suit like because that's more because he's aggressive with that ball like it's not because he's sloppy like and so that aggression is going to get him in trouble
2: yeah, I know, but you really got to see like the defensive scheme that Maccabi played uh, against him. That's what I'm saying. Specifically oh, yeah. oh. this one, it was it was a sight to see.
0: Uh, like Louis, I like, I don't think this is a calamitous loss for Barcelona. I think that's ridiculous to say, but it could be a huge win for Maccabi because like they've gotten wins over Barcelona before. We've said this like I, that's the reason I picked them, but they're 5-2-7 games in and like a, a common problem for Maccabi sides in recent years has they've made the road to stay in playoff contention too hard for themselves early. They've had to be clawing back. They're now, like, they've got a, a, a comfortable over 500 record is the best way to describe it, after seven games. Like, you know, it's gonna be a few rounds before they have to start worrying, either they pack a couple of losses back to back. I suppose mentally for Maccabi, that's gotta be huge for a team like that because this is a team which expects to be in the playoffs, but it's been a while since they were. And now they're at least in a position where they can have a bit more control. And I suppose that's one of the things that sent out to me from, from this win, Lewis. Yeah,
1: I mean, Maccabi are, I, I didn't read them at the start of the season. Um, and I have to say, they are playing their way into form. And the, when you look at the teams around them, Real Madrid are very start-stop. Sesca, nah, but they're not playing great. Zenit's still missing Shabazz. Makes them unwatchable at times. But yeah, my are going year to year every week. They just seem to be getting a little bit better. James Nunnally is playing some of the best basketball I've ever seen James Nunnally play. Yeah, like well, I
0: when James Nunnley gets comfortable in a system, he is a very, very effective player. Because I remember even like his year two at Fenner versus his year one was such a different, you know, level of performance because like, the effort wasn't it wasn't different. It was the understanding like he was realizing, OK, this is what I can do and this is what I can't do. I'm going to work within that and see where I can push it. Whereas year one, it was it felt very much to me like he was feeling his way, whereas here, like, you know, like you said, it's very comfortable basketball. Now, the one upside for me, lads, in my limited viewing of EuroLeague so far this year is I've been able to make comically biased views just based on box scores. But then I look at the standings and I kind of go, OK, things aren't quite as you know bad for that team as I thought or as good for this team as I thought. And I suppose the one that jumped out to me really was Bayern, because I want to get to the German derby next. Because Bayern, there's been this feeling of no about them all year long, but seven games in, they're three and four, which you know whatever else you say is not a bad record considering generally the feeling has been oh Bayern you know so far Now, some of those wins granted not against exactly stellar opposition but considering how low I think the general mood like even looking at Euro European basketball Twitter has been on Bayern that win over Alba like yeah we say it's only Alba but like Alba won a German title last few seasons you know it's like uh, that's that's got to be good for them psychologically Lewis
1: yeah, no, it is, and i was one of those people that I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was low on Bayern. I just I felt last year's Bayern put the expectations very, very high. They were very, very good, and I think I owe an apology and flowers to Darren Hilliard. Last week, I said he was not the man. I I said he was not the man. He's not the guy to lead Bayern, and then he's just went and dropped twenty three and six. On Alabama.
0: yeah, as you do, it's like he, he listens to the podcast
1: and he goes, I'm going to show that Scottish guy. Yeah, I think that, uh, that's know. it. No, nope. but um, yeah, Bayern, we've said a few times they're not playing bad. I mean, they're shooting splits as a team 50 40 90. That's great,
0: like, yeah, you know, it's like if you told them they'd have 50 40 90 as a team seven games in, he said, "Ah, oh, yeah, that'll do, like, you know, no, no question. And most teams would say that to you as well, like Moshe again, because. Like, I've definitely been like, and again, I've been, I've seen very little of Bayern. I've been mostly sort of, you know, box score checking, but I've had that sort of vibe of, you know, obviously last year was an extraordinary season to watch. Like, it is kind of weird for a club considering what its other department does. Like, Bayern Munich to be sort of plucky underdogs in basketball, but such is the way of this sport. But like, they had that sort of, you know, plucky, you know, romantic story with them last year, especially because of the situation with no fans and all that. But uh, now, yeah, Bayern, not. As bad as I suppose we were saying, and not even we were saying what we were thinking, motion
2: Well, they are a Trinkieri team. Let's put it on a table, first of all. You know, their offensive and defensive schemes are great. Uh, the amount of players that we've seen that flourished under coach Trinkieri and that were brought in by uh, the team's sports director, Daniela Bayesi. I mean, it, the list just goes on and on and on and on. And it's like, I mean, for them, obviously, it's good. Uh, is it something we expected? I expected competitiveness from them, but none more than that. The win against Milan, you know, it speaks for itself kind of thing. You know, whenever someone goes to his homeland, he wants to get the win. That's you know, it's it goes without saying. I will, however, uh ask Lewis in our predictions to address the you know Maccabi's on Scotty thing later on. But uh that's why he's laughing in the background. Uh but as for Ryan, I mean, you know what, for Byron, actually I, I chose I picked Byron over Alba. Uh, I, I did, however, pick Milan over Byron, so that's also on me. But, you know, it's I think one thing is safe to say with all the respect to all of our predictions and all of, all of our analysis that, that, that we've made so far is that, just you know, your league is unpredictable. This year, I think more than ever. This is like the header of the season so far. It's like that's the title, unpredictability.
0: Like, I, I know you're the one who keeps track of the tables, but the, the past week, obviously, the two rounds combined pretty much our worst combined performance from all four of us in the picks. No, season, no, no,
2: it? no, it wasn't actually. I no. had a, yeah, I had a decent week, 12 out of 18 with all the, oh, success. well, I
0: more like for all four of us combined, though. I think it was the worst. Like, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bad, bad. Like, cause
0: you, you, you brought the average up is how I put it. The rest of us brought the average the other way. Uh, so it's like, I was like myself. Just to be clear, most guilty. Uh, but uh, it's like, I've got to ask you about... Good.
2: You did good, actually. But the thing is, thank you for that. because did now, they go like 8 of 18? I, I have a great selling point now. Moses bringing the averages up. I love it.
0: A, 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 exquisite. Uh, I, another team who had an interesting week because they begin the week with a win that leads to a man pretty much losing his everything. But that's pretty normal with Eric and Ataman. But uh, Panathinaikos looked very good beating FS and then had their first home loss of the season. So uh, Mo, I'll go to you on this first.
2: There's no shame in losing to Elio Kobo the way he did. The dude like usually, I, and now I have to bring up David Hine here because he was the one who spotted that. And I was the one who jinxed it after. Uh, you know, uh, three runs, I think, three games into the uh, into the season. He's like, you no, know, Okobo and Chris Jones, they're like putting up 37 together combined. Um, and then, like, after four games, I, I, you know, I tweet that in three out of four games, these two combined for 37 points. Obviously, I apologized on the same tweet saying, you know, the jinx that might follow, apologies in advance, yada, yada, yada. And what does Elio Kobo do against Panathinaikos? He puts up 35 alone. So there's no shame in that. I, I think this perhaps was the most expected win kind of thing because we know that Panathinaikos are not the strongest Team in EuroLeague this year, for sure. What surprised me the most was actually the way they smoked on Efes. And I'm sorry, after last night, it's not like, and, and again, last night, after the, the previous round, it's not Ergin Ataman, it's Ergin Bataman.
0: Uh, yeah, like Lewis, we are going to get to Efes in a moment, don't worry. But uh, like power, like this is the thing, everybody looking at this power roster this season, unless you had the greenest tinted glasses going, was thinking this is going to be a rough EuroLeague season for them. Uh, but they had at least managed up until this point the Aswell game to like keep their home court, which is the one reliable thing with power course. They've lost all road games so far. But this sort of loss, it is one that could be mentally tough because after you beat a team with a rep of FS, even though FS's record is only two five now, it's still one that you just don't want to drop it to you know one of the French teams, basically.
1: No, it's it's, it's not. It's I mean FS where how do you say it nice? like Straight up bad against Panathinaikos. So they they were just I mean okay. Daryl Macon went off, and there's no nice way to say it. Um, they do not look like a team that was ha, has been the best team in Euroleague for the last two years, three years, three years, basically, yeah, three years, three, three years. And there's not a lot of roster change. Okay, there's a couple of moving pieces, but Shane Larkin, I I do not know who is wearing Shane Larkin's jersey at the moment. He needs to give it back to Shane Larkin. It's like I never thought
0: the loss of Suretek Shanley would be this profound on FS. Uh, <laughs> No, it's true. Like, you know,
2: it's true. It's, it's it's more Shanley, I think, than, than Larkin. It's like they lost their entire balance. You see you no know, Dunstan, you know, for the meantime. And when he does play, he doesn't look like the, you know, the bully of the competition. Let's admit it. He was like one tough
0: body. But I just think like, you know, Shanley, like, you know, his story is well documented. Like, uh, But the thing is, his role for efforts was one of those underrated ones because he didn't really play in those closing minutes of games. But like, you know, the game is 40 minutes as Moshe and I and Lewis are all prone to saying. And he would rack up some serious numbers early, like sort of get, get, keep that scoreboard ticking over, keep those boards coming in when you needed a player to do so. And it just feels like someone who does that not terribly exciting, but very effective role is a big, big, big loss for F.S. Moshe.
2: Oh, this was, this was a thing of beauty, because Daryl Macon was like, he wow, that was that dude was straight up fire. It's, uh, it's like it's one of those nights. It's not like whenever you look at a duo, right, that they're like a tandem. They're like the one-two punch. And we saw like 2019, 2020 with Scotty and Dorsey. Like this year, it's Scotty Manali with Villarbon, Okobo Jones. It's like you see those duos every now and then. But,
1: man, making just like, he lit them up. It's like... It was like, do you know what it was like? See when you see the first couple of shots going in, it was like J.C. Carroll. Do you know when J.C. Carroll starts going and it's like, okay, yeah, he's having a night. Mekon is like, okay, he's like, one goes I know, oh, a good shot, two, three. Ah, oh, he's, he's not missing. Just let him go in and guard everyone else. Uh, Emmet, do you know who he reminded me of?
0: Um, I'm sure I'm going to be surprised and also put my hand on my head whenever you say it, so do go on, who did it remind you of?
2: Honestly, in all seriousness, he reminded me of a young version of you.
0: I would say the shooting was certainly of a uh, different standard. I'm not gonna say better or worse, but definitely different. Um, you know, it's it's just one of those things. Like uh, you know, like my, my my legendary performances on the floor are are great. Uh, you know, most famously, uh, I think it was Sauskas who liked my honesty when I said it was a bad idea the Sergio Scariola to put me in. uh You know, because like you know, that wasn't you in your teammates' honesty. Uh, and so Sauskas was very very impressed with that. Like you know, saying put me on the floor, not a good idea, coach. But uh, we are we are we're gonna go look at one more team, Milano, who are. Uh, Getting things done and how, you know, to me, a lot of this is almost like the opposite of a hangover for Milano uh, from the Final Four. And uh, having finally broken through that big barrier, they could sort of relax and just win games this year, Moshe.
2: Yeah, but then came Bayern.
0: Yeah, but they're still 6-1 and, and leading the table.
2: Yeah, they do. I mean, perhaps the most surprising team, I think, for now is them. Because I'd expect them, I expected them to, uh, to have a, a bit more of an ups and downs kind of thing, like, you know, a milan kind of uh, issue and they they don't quite have it yet it's like when things are going in they're going in and you know you're you're still not seeing i think some of their guys at their peak of you know of what what everyone knows they can do and everyone expects them to do and mind you that in the last couple of games i think they're without malcolm delaney and they are expected to uh you know to not have him actually for a few more games if memory serves me right so like, I'm still expecting from some other guys to get maybe more minutes like Jaron Brand and maybe others, but they're, they're even better than last year. And you know what? That, that's kind of challenging in, 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 in a manner of speaking because you saw the locker room, how they reacted when they heard that, like, Zach today is the team, if you remember that, like, on social media. So whenever something like this happened and, you know, everyone's getting so vocal, you know, you know towards the outside, not, like, keeping it in-house, you know that it might have sort of a sort of an aftermath and it didn't like, you know, exactly. is having and doing his own thing in, in partisan Belgrade right now. And it's like, Meli is, you know, gay, okay. um, obviously Mitoglu is okay. But, and also, you know, they lost Kevin punter. Like guys, Messina smacked that ass all the way to Belgrade and the team's still winning.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Lewis, uh, your quick thoughts on Milano before we move on? But No, Milano, we are talking about paper teams. Milano are 6-1. They've played Sesca at home. FS straight up bad, at home. Bayern away, their only loss. Probably their only hard game was Bayern away. They had Maccabi as well, but they had early-season Maccabi who are still waiting to find a groove. And I think in the next few weeks, they've got away to Istanbul to play Fenner. They've got Barcelona and Milan. Then they've got a Russian doubleheader. You're going to find out a lot about Milano in the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, we're definitely going to learn a great deal about how strong Milano are and how much they've just been sort of, you know, benefiting from that early schedule suiting them. I suppose before we get to our games of the week and all that, there's one other team, because again, I haven't really been here this season, guys. This is my first time on the show, who I've got to talk about, and that is Zalgiris it feels like the dream of them being able to overachieve has died uh you know pretty violently so far this year uh because obviously Zalgiris. i think it's their biggest budget ever it definitely is an increase in last year um they you know had always underachieved with a low budget though uh they overachieved with a low budget like they'd you know made that final four run famously. they were always like knocking on the doors of the playoffs they were staying competitive most of the year long like even if they weren't making the postseason uh, now they're 07, and uh, is this just the cold reality that you can't keep that sort of thing going forever, Moshe?
2: No, I think it's something completely different. It's oh, wow, well, that's always nice. No, I mean, look, obviously, uh, um, whenever, everybody knows this story, right? A team that's like, uh, you know, the the Anaheim Mighty Ducks kind of thing. And please don't make a fourth movie and some Like, no, just don't. Uh, But uh, in all seriousness, when you think about it, there are tons of teams that we've seen over the years, whether it was the Partizan made it to the Final Four uh, in, I think it was 2010. Um, And then the year after, they already lost both Mikhailov and Alex March, if you remember. It's like, we've seen this story happening time and again. Teams that, you know, are low-budget teams making it to the Final Four or to the League playoffs, then they lose all their assets. And whenever you have to replace the entire team year after year... It's tough. It's tough to uh, like to uh, you know, to do the same thing over and over again, because it's not like that, that, you know, not just the market, like the the players pool, like the, the, those that are considered to be elite or close to be elite. It's not like a never ending pool. You know, eventually you have a very limited amount of players that are yearly ready or ready to lead and do great stuff. And, yeah, that had a part in, in what's ever happening to Joggers right now. But when you look at, at, at the players that they brought in and the domestic core itself, I mean, the, the issues, they run much deeper, I think, than just, like, what you, you brought in. Because from what we know, like, you know, a uh, uh, coach brought his guys. Then this guy brought his guys. It's like there is no way in hell that that thing can actually, you know, take off and, and become something that's legit. More than that, you, you see a guy like, for example, like Josh Nebo, who's a, who had a great season in Israel, very big-bodied guy, you know, strong, plays amazingly above the rim, very raw around the rim. We've said it time and again. And then you see Lewis like saying, you know, Emmanuel Mudie probably played his last year of the game. Honestly, for him, maybe it would be for the better, uh, with you know, because he's not really he's not really suitable for the role, I think, in which they, they gave him. But the thing is, why am I bringing Nebo is because he needs that point guard next to him to be that ruthless, lethal weapon that he can be. Whenever you see that, it's like there's, you can see their vision in terms of what they wanted to play, not necessarily putting the right pieces in order to, you know, to
0: execute that vision. Yeah, it's, it's a bit grim really, Lewis, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually going to be a bit more positive because I've sat there and there's no way this Countess team, okay, they lost a lot of pieces in the offseason. And
0: only one of their games that they've lost has been by less than double digits. By the way, that lost to Bayern at home. Everything has been pretty clear-cut as well. It's not like, not like they've been like you know losing the odd tight one here and there. Sorry, they lost only by six to Zenit as well. But still, they've largely been losing clearly.
1: I, but I'm going to say something. When you look at their schedule, other than actually, I'm I'm not even going to say because Asfell are very very good at home. Of those seven games, there's probably not many that. Pre-season, I would have said, yeah, like, Zalgiris 100%. Like, away to Aspel, they had Zenit, Sveina Vesta in Belgrade, then they had Olympiacos in Greece, Bayern Munich at home, then they were away to Maccabi and away to Efez. Like, if you had spread those games out over the course of a season, you would have probably said, yeah, I don't fancy kaunas going to Istanbul or going to Belgrade. They are not. They are not a good basketball team. They are not making shots. They need a shot-making point guard. They don't need Emmanuel Moody. But I think. I mean, the next few games are pretty grim for them. Well, Al, Fenner.
2: They also replaced the coach in the meantime. So you know and you. You remember that like uh, Trinkeri thing when he said, it, "Like it's it's not a magic thing where you press a button."
0: Yeah, although I th- I think there might be some hope for them this coming week. But we'll let, say that for the games of the week. Uh, I suppose before we get on to the Games of the Week, Moshe, any thoughts you have on uh, the rest of the table or anyone who performed particularly well or badly this week?
2: I think that actually, you know what? First of all, Unix, we are seeing the rise, and we haven't talked about them. They went 2-0, to, to no? yes? 2-0, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah, 2-0, yeah. And I, I think like the Unix winning games was a long time coming because I was a little surprised. Actually, probably of all the teams in terms of sort of their, their win-loss record before this week, I think Unix being so poor coming into this week had been the biggest surprise for me.
2: The the thing that surprises me the most, I think, is the, uh, the three-point shooting, not of just Unix, but the teams that are facing them at that arena. And it's something that we need to, to check for ourselves, I think. Like, you know, <laughs> what's up with that? But I have one thing to tell you about it. And that actually connects pretty well to what we should all talk about next and that okay. is one of 18 do you know what I'm talking about
0: uh no that's somebody obviously went bad from, from three though I'm guessing
2: no 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 if only that was yeah and Lewis knows exactly where I'm going with this because this is actually what Basconia had for like two point field goals at one point of the game against unix they were one oh, for wow. 18 one for 18 let that sink in one for 18. Now, Lewis, he kind of, you know, joked around about me when I picked them to go 2-0 in the previous double-rounder, and I said this one, they're going 0-2. And I think that, by far, they have rightfully earned the the title of the most unpredictable team in the
0: EuroLeague. Um, and, I, well, like, you know, even with the picks I've been sending in, like, I I was going... Basconi or Geo a Basconia type of loss or a Basconia type of win. So, one where they beat someone they shouldn't beat and one where they lose to someone they should never lose to. Uh, so, like, and like a lot of my picks are based on when when is a Basconia of a game due. And that is, but that can be both weird in both winning and losing senses. So, yeah, I think they've comfortably earned that. Lewis, your own thoughts on Unix, like that 2 0 week suddenly put them right back in the playoff hunt.
1: Yeah, it was, it's um, surprising because I, I mean, I'm, I am the president of the John Brown Fan Club. And will be till the day I die. Love John Brown. But the rest of the roster, it, it didn't really seem to be gelling all that quickly, but they are they are due a few wins. You, the talent is just too much on that roster for them not to start putting a few wins together. Two no oh, is a good week. But yeah, like aspects for real.
0: True. But like if you put that roster in Kimkey jerseys, I think I think them being one four wouldn't have surprised anybody. You put them in any other jersey, Unix being one of them, that's why I was so confident in them doing better than they did. Like it's only like you know, like there's only one close team be able to waste talent to the degree Kimke uh, you know Kimkey have ever. You know, it's like, and that's, that's them. Like I remember even it was an international uh, series of games, uh, I think it might have been might have been last season, obviously. Where suddenly, like your rep going off for Sweden, and a couple of other guys are doing well. It's like it's amazing what guys can do when they aren't wearing a Kimki shirt. And so, well, it was, well, 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 you do remember what Ari says, right? Uh, he, 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 well, yeah, it's, it's something about Kimki because, but like well, there was one year Kimki at a rust.
2: He likes to see. Well, yeah, that too. That that that's actually his saying. But um, he likes to see talent gets rewarded.
0: And yes, yeah, true.
2: That the talent alone on that Unix roster is, is great. Now, let, let's, come on, let's, let's say the truth. Are they playing the most spectacular brand of basketball? Hell no. What they are doing right now is they're trying to win games through defense, I think. Like, when you look at the score and when you look at how they, again, and, I'm, and, and heavily on the, on, on the I think here, um, I think we have yet to see, that their offense has yet to gel in the way that it should be. Like, I I don't think that any one of the guys is really playing up to his real level of I'm going to mess this competition up, you know, what they can really do. Um, But, you know, time will will tell us at all. The the one thing I am I I really do want to say here is like, we really got to give a shout out to coach Giannis Farabas. We've seen Maccabi. We've seen like what the team had gone through with with COVID and everything at the beginning of the season. We said it like from the beginning, they're going to need time. But to go from, you know, really having no answers whatsoever to Zvezda to the point where they are undoubtedly, and you know what, undeniably, and, you know, we, I, I can go on and on with this, dominating Barcelona in that game. And that was the game where Higgins and Miritich did Higgins and Miritich's stuff. They just happened to annihilate the entire assisting crew, each and every one of them. Nigel Hayes, I think no points whatsoever schmitz yeah i think he wanted to see he he preferred to see more bench you know than on court there what happened and you just you saw you saw a team that it can do stuff now i'm going to say something surprising here i mean they are five and two correct they are so if you look at the games right now that they've played the uh, seven games and i would have asked you you know regardless of, of whatever they had go through you know with with COVID and everything what would be realistically speaking like you know, in the table, where are they going to be? Six one seven zero
0: five two four three. Uh, it's hard to say. It's I I I I I really don't know to be honest. With so,
2: realistically speaking, they started buying Munich at home, then Zvezda, then Double Ronder Milan and and Villarban, then they played uh, uh Panathens, and Barcelona. So five two, realistically speaking, is something that you would have expected. What you did, yeah, they I definitely
0: said five two four three range, yeah for
1: sure. So I just said six one. Yeah, I oh, yeah, true because they've yeah. had they a lot of home games. That's true. Yeah, they had a lot of it's home
2: five games. and two because it's Milan and Barcelona. Come on, Milan on the road and Barcelona, the, which was the Euro League finalist. Remind
0: so, me, was Aswell at home or away for them? That's away, what I, I made away. away, 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 oh, away. Then, then, then I'm still five two. Then I'm still five two because so, if you go to Aswell, I expect you to lose.
2: The only su- surprise, okay, yeah, was, yeah, I'll give you that. So, so the only surprise in a minute, or speaking, and again, it's not like a surprise kind of thing, it's not the record. It's like who they lost to and who they won against. Like, you know, losing to Zvezda and then, like, Zvezda is the win. It's the loss that you didn't expect, even though we yeah. can understand because of the circumstances. But the win against Barcelona, that's like, Luis, remember when we talked about the GMs that look, okay, this game I can drop. This game is okay. This is a must win. This is, you know, I cannot lose this one. So Barcelona is more than covering up for the loss against Zvezda in a way because that's like a Final Four team on paper. Yeah. Okay. So for me now, are you guys ready to apologize about Olympiacos?
0: Have I been harsh on Olympiacos? No, think sorry. Now you, he was.
1: I was. Yeah. Um. I, I. I. said. I. I thought they were. What is it? Vertically challenged. Um. Yeah. Listen. They. They are better than I expected them to be. Do I have concerns about the roster? Yes. But that's that's a conversation for another day. Um. Listen. Lucas. He will come. From criticism from many quarters, but straight-out killer against Fenner, Straight-out killer. I want to apologize
2: uh, for the Fenner fans because I really thought of the, that, guys, you would be doing better with all the respect. Losing that many tight games eventually will take a mental toll on the guys, I think. like, think, uh, You're close to victory, close to victory, close to victory, and yet you keep on losing.
0: I am I'm going to say, as the last thing before we go on to our games of the week, is... I think Fenner are eventually going to start correcting that record because the one thing we've seen year in, year out with sort of this uh, league format is the plus minus is a good indicator of when a team is going to come back and start winning some games because, you know, that plus minus, if you've got a strong plus minus and you happen to have lost a few games, odds are you're going to correct that with some wins of win, wins in games you should have lost, is how I best put it, are going to come your way soon. Okay, so having lost some games you should have won. And
2: that's without a damn word about on the WFS because, honestly, if – if they didn't play Jaggeries in the seventh round, would you still be comfortable enough saying they are two and five? Oh,
0: God. that That's a debate for, I think, uh, the next Absolutely. time I'm on the show in a few weeks. All righty. And on that, on that bombshell, we move on to our games of the week. We have a four five split between Thursday and Friday. We have Sheska at home to Fenner, Zvezda at home to Pau, ASVEL at home to Unix, Milano plays Barcelona, top of the table clash there. On Friday, it's FS play Zenit. Zalgiris play Alba, Olympiacas play Monaco, Basconia play Maccabi, and Bayern play Real. And the two games I'm going to pick to watch even though I must admit I will be airborne for both game times. I'm airborne coming from Lisbon to Dublin for the Thursday games and I'm airborne going from Dublin to Chicago for the Friday games. So there's no way I'm going to see a minute of EuroLeague Basketball Live as the best week this week. I will of course try and catch up on the weekend on my computer. But uh, the two games I'm going to pick to watch are despite there being a top of the table clash on that night I'm going Szczeska versus Fenner because I think there's a bit more pressure in that game in terms of performing now whereas obviously Milan and Barcelona it'll just be hyped a bit but a defeat isn't really that bad for either side Friday is a lovely slate I am in mostly tempted to go for one game but I'm instead going to go for the one I think will be most interesting which is Olympiacos and Monaco so my, uh, my nine picks are Seshka to win I'm going to say Zvezda win Asvel win, Milano win we are all home games so far FS win, remember remember the 5th of November because Zalgiris will finally get their first W people Olympiacos win, Basconia win, but Real Madrid wins. So I'm not entirely all home, home teams. The very last game, I'm calling for a road team. Moshe, the two games you think are most worth watching, and your nine picks, please. Okay,
2: that's easy. Actually, the the first game I'm picking, obviously, Cheska Fenner, because it has so much into it. Like, will Cheska go on three? Will you know Fenner finally get one? Because they have a true, a true uh, opportunity there to uh, to get a road win and an important one at that. And on the Friday slate, I, you know what? I want to say Bayern Madrid because, you know, Trinkieri Madrid, World Madrid bounce back. And still, we're all waiting. We're all hoping to see uh, uh, Thompkins and Randolph soon. And please bring Boom Boom back. Yes. Come on. You know, it makes sense.
0: The age with JC Carroll. What are your nine picks?
2: I'm going Zvezda, Cheska. Um, I want to say... As well, you know what? I'll, I'll circle back to it. I'm taking Barcelona. Barcelona, Zenit, Jalgaris, Olympiacos, Maccabi, Madrid. And as for the Aswell, you know what? Let's take Asvel.
0: Okie dokie. Uh, Lewis, the two games you
1: are most interested in watching and your nine picks. Uh, two games, so Thursday night. I'm actually going Milano-Barcelona purely because I want to see our Milano or paper team and can Barcelona bounce back from a beatdown? in Tel Aviv. I think that'll be a good test for both sides. And then Friday night, Olympiacos-Monaco. I think that'll be a really good game because we've yet to see Mike James go full Mike James and Olympiacos. They're playing well, but I, they're struggling to score in the backcourt. So I'm interested to see how that goes down with all of uh, Monaco's movement. And my nine picks are Zvezda, Fenner, Aspel, Milano, Efes, Alba, Olympiacos, basconia bayern and it
0: feels really bad that it's a rare timer boo alba you're picking the big dog because we never get to say (laughs) alba's the big dog like let's be honest but it's like you know it's like alba enjoy the moment you're technically the evil team in this in in this week because you're going up against the guys at no win so congratulations you've achieved that i suppose which you know can't recall we ever would have referred to alba uh, in that context ever on this show uh so congrats i suppose uh but yeah yeah so uh, quite a good mix from us uh like i, like I was saying like that only uh, Monaco games before we get on to our goodbyes if you had to ask me like before, you know before the season started would only Monaco be a game i was picking uh you know round eight i said probably not like but they're both so interesting to watch and as a clash of styles and everything lewis just said there that one could be really, really fun to watch, like you know. So, uh, that, that's what I'm going to
2: vertically, vertically challenged team as Lewis called them against a team that's extremely not vertically challenged. That, that's that's sad to see,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you know, so uh, it, it's uh going to be a fascinating one. Well, that does bring us to uh, a, a, an end of this show, and it'll be a few weeks for him back again. So, sorry for the bizarre pre pre, I suppose. Uh, January delays with the way I do this show, but uh, uh, thanks to, to Moshe and Lewis for uh, having me back on for this uh, cameo, so to speak, this week, but also for keeping the keeping the fort going well uh, as ever. You can follow me. Ball in Europe is everything in terms of the socials, apart from the Instagram, which is ballinEurope.com, um, and of course ballinEurope.com for the, the website. Uh, Lewis, where can people find your wonderful self on the internet?
1: You can find me everywhere at, at Half Galenny. Um, I'm going to be honest. I, I will probably be taking a, a quick break due to some work-related issues. However, I will be live and in attendance at, I can't believe it, I, unfortunately, I've had the worst one here, Real Madrid's Zalgiris. So I'll potentially be there to see Zalgiris go 0-10. Oh, wow.
0: Wow. Uh, yeah, because that one, because we all know like, there are certain nights where Real just go absolutely mad once a year or twice a year where like they're going to, you know, Put, put a 40 burger in terms of the gap on a team and that does scream like it could totally be that one Moshe, where can people find you on the internet man
2: feeling for lewis on that game <laughs> honestly feeling for him and joggeries yeah okay okay yeah it's it's crazy uh lewis we would feel for you and have fun who knows maybe joggers will have their first first win by then maybe not who knows Maybe that will be their first win. But as ever, you can find me at MosesB1 on Twitter, at MosesB1 on Instagram, the Facebook page of the Team Scott, and the website itself. And here's a new thing. You can follow the show at elsb the Show. Yes. And where we all uh, will let our uh, anonymous guy, you know, simply wreak havoc throughout the uh, Twitter EuroLeague sphere, I think. That's a thing. That's a thing, I mean?
0: no it's going to be extremely unbiased probably the least biased and least questionable account of any of us because uh, if one of us gets the rest of us in trouble it's going to end poorly for all of us <laughs> so it'll be it'll be the cleanest and fairest account we have but it'll be very useful for finding information on the show folks
2: oh it is so make sure you follow tune in and we're available on anchor now not just soundcloud and spotify and you know everything that has to do with it we're there uh emmet i want to say first of all thank you it's been You know, we've missed you. And we hope that the training with Eddie Hall goes very well.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, well... uh the one thing that's like you know truly been a surprise to me is i managed to keep the same weight and drop a belt size during the lockdown so uh and it's not exactly working out more i think i've just been snacking less so somehow that's meant i've built up muscle snacking less folks so uh, say that what you will but clearly the eddie hall training is working uh because i'd never gone out of belt size in my life before and i wasn't trying this time and it was very annoying when i found out because i suddenly had to replace all my jeans because they're falling off me and i used to go oh isn't that great no it's not i literally couldn't walk to the shops you know that was how bad it was. I had to, like, you know, be holding me pants up with one hand, like, you know, all the way up the road. It was not fun. Like, it was great to be healthier, but that was a big downside. But, Moja, do go on and take us home, man. I'm,
2: so- I'm sorry. It was <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for this.
0: <laughs> oh, this is keeping in These reactions are staying in, by the way. They have to <laughs>
2: yeah, sure. I- I'm-, I'm willing to somehow pull off an added miracle and put that in awards.
0: Um, no, no. Keep your reactions in, including all this stuff. Like you know, I think the people need to hear just how bizarre this fell apart, like at the very end. <laughs> oh yeah, it did.
2: It did. We 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 almost managed to keep a straight face throughout the show, but one correction: that was not a cameo appearance by him because obviously he'll he'll finish some stuff, and he will be back with the show though more more permanently. Where I will try to uh, shave my beard or not? Who knows? Stay tuned to find out. But you will. Actually, you won't be able to see
0: it. Uh, yeah, so it's a lot neater than my beard was. Now take us home.
2: Till next time. Great
1: pass from the Diomedes. The love is done. There we go.
0: Forty minutes to a title. David
1: Blue for three on the mark. David
0: Blue! Now Spinulos drives inside. Looks for the alley Corey Higgins just exploding. Euroleague Sweet Sixteen. Exactly what you need.